Hey guys, happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Today's episode is another incredible guest and she is running for governor. She's become a friend of mine and she is someone I truly admire and inspires me on so many levels. And I'm excited for you guys to get to know her. For those that do know her, um, because she is running for governor, I think it'll be cool for you to get to learn more about her. Today is the fabulous Carrie Lake, and we talk about all things that led to the end of her career as an anchor in news, the corruption in mainstream media, as well as her fight for Arizona and running for governor. So I hope you guys like this episode. It's really interesting. We talk about you know, her journey in news, why she chose to leave, what she's really been exposing, and why she felt it was so important to do so her journey as a mom, you know, her career, where she started, how humble she is. It was really so incredible. And then her fight for Arizona and what she, you know, really believes for the people. So I'd ask anyone listening, keeps an open mind and open heart because she really shares a lot vulnerably. And I think it's really important, no matter what side you're quote unquote on, that you listen to this episode and you hear what she has to say, because so much of it has to do with each and every one of us, whether we are awake to it or not. So I hope you guys like this episode. Make sure you are subscribed anywhere you listen to this podcast, you subscribe, leave a five-star review if you haven't already. My goal is 300 reviews by end of August and I'm almost there. So I'd love it if you guys would leave me a review. Tell all of your friends if they love the show to leave a review as well. You can write a review just about an episode you loved, a guest, whatever works for you. I really appreciate it. And as always, guys, if you love this episode, please make sure you make a screenshot, post it on social, tag everything with Allie Levine and Allie Levine Design, and we'll make sure to repost it and share the love. All right, guys, here's Carrie Lake and have a great week. Talk to you all soon. This is Everything with Allie Levine. Hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything. From motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being. All real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. You guys, I am so honored with today's guest. I love all of my guests, as you guys know, but I am so honored for this guest. She is incredible. She is a former anchor. She is a mother. She is a powerhouse. She is now running for governor for Arizona for 2022. I have the incredible Carrie Lake. And before I bring her on, guys, I just want to read you guys a little bit about her because Honestly, I just think she is such a powerhouse and I love her story. So Carrie Lake stands as a symbol of truth in journalism and represents the growing ranks of journalists who have walked away from the mainstream media market peddling fake news. Lake is a former evening anchor, as I mentioned, for Fox 10 News in Phoenix, Arizona, where she informed viewers more than two decades. Carrie and her co-anchor, John Hook, were the longest running anchor team in the country and had a successful run as the number one rated news team for most of their 22 years together. Lake is a household name in Arizona, and she's trusted for her fair coverage of stories affecting the state since 1994. And she stunned her viewers when she resigned in 2021 at the top of her game and blew the whistle on the dishonesty and bias in the media. Carrie, welcome to my show. I am so happy to be here, Allie. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, and Today, um, I was looking forward to it all day, and this has been the highlight of my day, and we haven't even gotten started. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, I feel the same way. I'm so honored for you to be here. You know, to give a little backstory for my audience, you guys, I saw Carrie's story. I found her on social media when she did resign. She put out a video about why she was resigning, how much she truly loved being an anchor, but how she really felt like it was just 
fear mongering and fake news and not real stories anymore. And her heart couldn't be in it. And I really resonated with that because you guys know me. I'm so authentic in how I share. I really try to be as honest as I can be and show up as authentically as possible. And I just think it's incredible how much Carrie showed up for not only herself, but for all her viewers to say, Hey, you know what? I am at the top of my game. I have been doing this for such a long time, but this no longer resonates. It doesn't do right by the people. It doesn't do right by myself and my soul. And her video, you guys, was all about that. And it grabbed my attention so much. And I reached out to her and she was so humble and started speaking with me. And we became honestly friends and started talking all the time about everything going on. And I told her I wanted her to come on and we have been chatting for quite some time. So I'm excited just to dive right in, Carrie, and just like (laughs) talk about all things. I mean, first off, let's start with, you know, your career, because you really have had an incredible incredible career as an anchor you have such a story like can you give us a little background of just kind of like how you became the anchor you know you've been today was it something you always dreamed of doing like just fill us in because I would love to know well I'm the youngest of nine kids from Iowa and um, we didn't come from a lot of money my dad was a high school teacher and a football coach and my mom was a nurse and we lived kind of when I was in high school in the middle of nowhere in the country and I used to lay in the grass, I remember as a kid living in Iowa, growing, it's kind of, you know, flyover country. And I would see planes flying overhead way, way up there. Like they were little tiny specks because a lot of planes didn't land near my house. And I remember thinking someday I'm going to be on a plane going somewhere. And that day came when I, um, in 1994, flew out on a plane to interview for a job in Phoenix. I Uh, I was by that point, I had gone through college and uh, went to college to be a teacher, but ran out of money. I was working my way through school and then I quit for a couple of years and went back and decided I wanted to go and become a TV journalist. I had never even thought about that career because we weren't allowed to watch TV when I was growing up, but I had gone to live with my sister and her husband for a year and her husband was a news junkie. He watched every local news show, you know, morning, noon and night. And that was the first time I really watched a lot of television news. I was in my 20s at that point. And when I decided I finally had enough money to go back to college to get myself through, I told my school counselor that I wanted to look into becoming a news anchor or news reporter, I should say. And she kind of told me the classes I should take. And I was on a mission at that point. I mean, I was at point A and I knew what point B was and I was going to make it there come hell or high water. And I just worked my butt off. I have to admit, I I worked, I got internships, started at a a little station in my hometown where I was not very good on the air. And it was a little painful to start in TV in your hometown because you're making all those mistakes on air in front of people that you grew up with. Mm -hmm. But I worked at it and got better and better and better. And one day I got a phone call from Phoenix and they were interested in me. And they flew me out in 1994. It was during one of the hottest weeks on record here. And I fell in love with it. I didn't care that it was hot here. I just, I knew Arizona was the place I was meant to be. And I got the job. Um, A couple of days later, they offered me the job. And within a month, I was flying out. And I lived here in Arizona. And I've never looked back. I, I am truly an Arizonan. And I love this state. Wow, that is so incredible. And I loved getting to hear not only the passion behind it, but like you said, the hard work. I think it's so important, especially nowadays for so many people to hear that because I feel like because of social media, because of all different things we see everywhere, people just think things are handed. And that's really, in most cases, not the case. You really do have to work towards what you want and build towards what you want. And I love that. Like as a little girl, you looked up and were like, one day I'm going to be on that plane. Like that must have been (laughs) so surreal for you to get to like be invited to go and, you know, interview and, and go check out the station in Arizona. Like, what was that like for you kind of coming full circle? Well, and from being from Iowa, I mean, Phoenix felt like a big city. And at the time it was a big city, but now it's a lot bigger, but, um, it, and, and I felt like I had made it when I arrived here. I just felt like it was just the perfect fit for me. And I, and I was so blessed to connect with the viewers here. And um, I had, when you have passion and you have a, a work ethic that is very strong, anything is possible. Passion, desire, and a work ethic are the secrets to success. So I came here and I worked my butt off. 
and connected with the viewers. And, you know, then when I look at some of the stories I've been able to cover over the years, flying, you know, all over the state, covering people, um, you know, I used to fly in the helicopter and, and cover stories and cover weather. And, and then even being at the White House a couple of times and flying to Cambodia to cover news. I've, I've been all over the country covering news. And I just pinch myself because deep down inside of me is still that, that young girl in Iowa, laying on the grass, looking up, going, someday I'm going to do something really big. I never imagined my life would be as full as it has been. But it kind of came crashing down when the media took a really ugly turn. And, and it all started with, with President Donald Trump. The media just kind of lost their minds when an outsider dared to get into politics and kind of tip over the apple cart. And I remember thinking, well, this, this guy's actually pretty cool. He wants to help the everyday working man. He loves America. And I just kind of watched as the media around me lost their minds. So um, it, of course it progressed and got even worse with COVID hit. I've always looked at my job as I'm, I'm telling people stories, I'm giving people information and I'm helping my community. And as long as I felt like I was able to do that, the job was wonderful. But once it became pushing out stories that were half-truths, um, fear-mongering, which is what the media wanted to push, it just became uh, less palatable and, and unethical in my eyes and even immoral because I, I'm a real believer in the Ten Commandments and thou shalt not lie is a very important one. And when it started to feel like the news that was being pushed out, especially during COVID and this last election, if it didn't feel like the full truth, maybe a half truth, but a half truth is kind of a half lie in my book. Yeah. And then I realized I just, I, I, did, I couldn't be part of it. And so it was very painful to walk away from a career that I'd loved so much that had been good to me and had afforded me a wonderful life and great opportunities. But I really felt that God was telling me, you need to leave this. Once you realize something's immoral and you continue to take part in it, then that is a reflection of who you are. I completely understand that. I went through the same kind of um, feeling when I was, you know, working in Hollywood uh, full time as a stylist. I loved, you know, a lot of the people I was around, but knowing the toxicity and so much of what was happening and going on, I felt the same way. I felt like God was kind of calling me out and telling me to take a step back and see things. And I, you know, I resonate with that because I'm extremely passionate about making people feel good and look good. And I was the top of my game with styling. And it was crazy that feeling of really feeling like God and everything in my spirit was like, yeah, this isn't aligning anymore. Something's not right. And it, it was a scary moment to pull back. And I could imagine for you as well. And so like when you had that moment and you realize, you know, this is no longer resonating, this no longer feels right. Like you said, this actually feels immoral. Did you just go right then and then just decide I'm out? Like, how did that, like, how did that play out for you? Because I'm sure it was kind of a shock to you because like you said, you've done this for so long. You have loved it and been so passionate about it. You've gotten to travel the world and share stories. So when this all started to shift, like what was that like for you? Wow. That's, that's a great question because it was, it was kind of slow. Have you ever seen it? Well, maybe in California, you've seen like a, a landslide where the mud starts to move a little bit. And then it starts to move a little more and you're like watching it on the helicopter. The news is covering it. And then you just keep watching it. And pretty soon it just collapses down. Yeah. That's kind of how it felt. Things were shifting and moving. And I was taking note and going, wait a minute, that's curious. We're, the news media is only covering the worst dire stories. But what about the thousands and thousands of people who are, uh, you know, have had this virus and they've been fine or they didn't even know they had it or the only way they knew they had it is the test came back positive and um, or people who found some success with treatments that did work and, and there was no appetite to cover anything that would calm people and give them information. So those were some of the first things that were making me feel uncomfortable. And I live in a neighborhood with a lot of elderly neighbors. Um, and they're so wonderful. I'm really blessed to live next door. I had a, a World War II hero and his wife. And across the street, I have um, an 80-year-old neighbor who's just wonderful. We used to all stand outside and talk and we stand at each other's porches and, and all that stopped. And I realized how important that was, especially for 
elderly people who are already alone and feeling a bit isolated and everybody got scared into their houses and I would go outside to get mail or whatever, you know, and I would realize nobody was out in our neighborhood anymore. And then one day I was at the mailbox and out comes uh, my neighbors on the, on walkers. These were the, this woman was the most beautiful, amazing woman, um, probably close to 90. She swam every day. She had lunch with friends every day. She was so vibrant. And I thought, I want to be like her when I'm her age. And I saw her, this was about six months into the uh, shutdowns and, and lockdowns. And I just couldn't believe my eyes, Allie. It, 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 I had a lump in my throat. I almost wanted to cry when I saw her because she'd aged so much. And wow. she went from being vibrant and, you know, like the youngest 90 year old I'd ever seen to walking on a walker. And it just, it broke me. And I thought, wow, what are we doing? We're just, it's, it's scaring people. And there's information out there that could help people or at least let them know it's, we're going to get through this folks. And then the, the riots happened and people were calling them pro, peaceful protests. And it just, that, that landslide started to shift and, and move. And the whole collapse came, I think, um, when finally the election happened and there were millions of people in this state who were questioning a lot of things that were happening and the media had no appetite to cover those people. It was only covering one part of the narrative but not covering the other side of the story. And I just, I started seeing where it was going and I'm like, I can't continue along if we're only gonna cover part of the story because the other part of the story is huge and millions of people wanna hear that as well. It just, um, it, it just was not sitting well with me. And every night I was getting off the air, just kind of ripping my microphone off. And I was working from home at the time because of COVID. And I would leave uh, my little at-home studio, which was my office. And I would every night just tell my husband how it was getting harder and harder to do the job. I even felt sometimes when the news open was was playing, I could feel like stress building up in my body and almost tears coming to my eyes because it felt so wrong. And, um, you know, you can only go through that so many days and weeks before, you know, God, God gives you hints, then God starts to, you know, knock you over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> and if you, if you keep ignoring what God is telling you, what good is telling you, you start to get sick, you start to feel sick. And I think a lot of our illness comes from people maybe not heading in the right direction in their life. And I, I just told my husband, I can't do this anymore. I cannot do it. And I prayed to God to lead me and to the right decision and take over my life for me because I wanted to put everything in his hands because it was such a daunting decision to walk away from what I knew and how I earned my living. And within short order, once I just said, God, steer me in the direction, the decision just kind of came over my body, that landslide broke and everything crashed down. And I just said, I know what I have to do. I can't do this anymore. And it, I, I get chills right now thinking of it, Ali, because, um, I look back and it almost feels like a lifetime ago when I was doing that. I'm so glad I'm not doing that anymore. It feels really good. I wish I would have known how good um, getting out of it would have felt when I was worried about getting out of it. Well, you were in it for so long, right? So it was, I think for so many of us, no matter what job we're in, we become comfortable. We become, you know, just moving, you know, going with the motion and, you don't realize how you're kind of like on this, you know, hamster wheel in a way, and you just keep moving and moving. And you're not aware of like other things going on around you, like you said, of like yourself and, you know, being conscious and of God being like, hey, maybe this isn't working, or maybe something's off. And you just kind of keep going. And I think kind of, you know, uh, I've said this a lot on my show, but I think part of the blessing of the, you know, lockdown and the shutdowns and all that was that a lot of people had their eyes open to a lot that they weren't mm -hmm. paying attention yeah. to. Like I know for myself, I had a lot of my own awakenings because I was pregnant. I was home, especially being, you know, pregnant. I was home and I was like, just really absorbing everything and looking at things so differently and taking things in instead of just going, 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 and being constantly distracted by everything going on. I actually had like no distractions and minus of course my busy toddler. And I, you know, was just 
in it. And I was like, wow, I'm so much more aware and awake to like so much of what's going on versus before where it was almost kind of like ignorance and bliss. And I was just like going with emotions and I was busy and I had so much going on. I couldn't even think about even like what you're saying of like, you know, God maybe telling me like something's off or this, that, the other thing. It was like just this constant motion, you know, and you're almost too busy just to hear God. You're too busy to feel the direction that he's pushing you in, or you're kind of, you're getting pushed in that direction. Like, no, 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 this is just a stressful day. No, no, no. I just have too much going on. You know, you're not listening to the little subtle hints that he's giving you. And I I kind of joke um, that, that God had been giving me subtle hints for a long time. And I'm the kind of person that sometimes needs the frying pan over the head. (laughs) I am. (laughs) It's like, okay. Okay, I guess I'm getting it now. And we all woke up. I mean, well, not everybody. I wish people would wake up a little more, but um, we have had our eyes open to what is going on in the world. And I think we're seeing it really big now with what's happening with our kids at school and masking our children. And and I'm pushing back against that. I'm, you know, I'm hearing from teachers who don't want it. I'm hearing from parents who don't want it, children. I just got a message, Allie, from an 18 or a a parent of an 18 year old girl. She's a senior at an art school here in town. It's very liberal art school. Most of the families that go there are very liberal leaning politically. And she's the only one not wearing a mask at school. And she somehow got, you know, a written uh, affidavit to get uh, out of wearing the mask. And she's really holding strong because she doesn't believe it's right to force kids to wear masks, but her whole school her mom said is wearing the mask and everyone's pressuring her and she's just holding strong. And I I'm sending her prayers right now because I know how hard it is to step away and do the right thing when everybody else are acting like sheep or they're actually really trying to um, dissuade you from doing the right thing. And for someone who's that young to be standing up against that pressure, I'm so impressed, but we're seeing that kind of bravery and courage right now. We are. And you know, it's sad, right? It's, it's, um, I was saying this to a friend of mine the other day. I'm like, you know, we say sheep, we say, you know, sheeple, we say following, you know, the crowd and this and the other thing, but it's really sad because of what you described of from the mainstream media, the fear mongering, the constant scaring, the constant half truths, all these different things have led to this now, right? Where people are literally, controlled and they're in fear. And I have to remind myself as frustrated and as angry and put off as I get that I'm trying so hard to have compassion and empathy because these people are so afraid because of what they've been told and what they actually believe to be true. And it's so upsetting because it's like, I look at it, you know, I said to my husband, I look at even for myself before I had woken up to so much stuff and I allowed the media to do that with me with other things. And I think about that now and I'm like, wow, I can only imagine how these people feel that feel like they are really doing the right thing. They're following what they're quote unquote being told to do. They're following what the quote unquote guidelines are, even though we know the guidelines have changed like a bajillion times, like (laughs) they believe what they're being told. And it's, you're right. I mean, in in some ways it's not their fault, especially if they're younger, they've had some indoctrination and a lot of that going on their schooling and the news and they just haven't realized that it, it, you know it's actually a, a bit of an innocence they they don't think that the news could be lying to them they don't think that their officials could be lying to them or giving them half truths and there's actually kind of an innocence to that that they still have that belief in these institutions that have disappointed us and not always been truthful um, but you're right. It's having a little sympathy is is always a good thing, and some understanding of where they're coming from to come up to those points where they're masking their children and masking themselves constantly. Uh, it is always good to have some sympathy. You're right. Well, and it's hard, right? Because it's like for those of us that do see and have eyes that are really open. And I feel like you know, like you said, God's really opened a lot of people up to really see what's going on, and it's really hard because we're also labeled as the conspiracy theorists. We're labeled as crazy. We're labeled as, you know, off our rocker, whatever else you want to say. And, and it's hard then to have that compassion and that empathy because you are being called all of those things and you are being, you know, called anti this and anti that, you know, I posted on my stories yesterday that was like, I'm not anti anything. I'm pro choice and pro freedom. Like, 
period. And I was getting whacked on social yesterday. Just so many people messaging me like, what does that mean you're for this? And I was like, look, it literally means freedom. Like it means freedom to choose period. Whether I agree with your choices or not, that's a different story, but like freedom means choice. And, you know, and that's what our country was you know, built on and why it's been so, you know, incredible for so long, why so many want to be here and be like us. And, you know, and it's just so wild to me, but at the same time, I keep reminding myself to go back to that place of compassion and empathy, because I'm like, I try to put myself in their shoes and be like, okay, if I was that asleep and really that much just watching the news all the time, God knows what, what, what it would be like for me, you know? And I'm so grateful Mm -hmm. that like, you know, I did have my eyes open even before all of this over the last few years. And I have had so much around me that's been able to do that. And my husband and I, you know, completely disconnected, you know, our, our uh, you know, cable, you know, over two years ago and, you know, use just YouTube TV. And, and so we've been really, you know, conscious of all those things, but not everybody has that or has, like you said, the courage to do that, to stand up as 18 year olds to show their bravery. I mean, it's a very intense time. And so that's a great segue into oh. you decided that it was time for you to run for governor in the state that you're in in Arizona <laughs> for 2022. What was that moment like? Like, I'm so curious, how did you decide, okay, this is my next move? Well, the two were not linked. Walking away from my career, um, I was thinking I would end up going and doing some maybe media training. You know, I was looking at doing something like that. And so I put that video out that you're referring to. And um, it took me a while to figure out how to upload a video. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I've learned a lot since then. Now I can upload videos quickly. But um, I uploaded it to Rumble. And um, it was just after midnight. I went to bed. My husband helped me. Woke up, grabbed my phone at like 6.30 a.m. And there must have been 100 text messages. The phone was almost hot to touch. And that that video had gone viral. I mean, people that I worked with didn't even know I was going to resign and quit like that. But I felt uh, that I owed it to the viewers of 27 years here in Arizona. And I'd been number one almost all that time. So we had a lot of viewers who who liked and respected me. I felt I owed it to them to tell them why I was leaving, not just to leave my career and go, okay, I'm, I'm resigning, but to say I'm resigning and this is why. I don't like the direction journalism is going. I don't like telling half the story. I want the full story out. And that video resonated. A lot of people were like, I knew something was up with the media. I felt it was kind of biased, but you really exposed it and made me realize I was right. And, and it, what I was thinking was really happening. So um, the, uh, it, the outpouring was just massive. I mean, on my Rumble page, I think 1.6 million have seen it. Of course, it was told on other people's pages as well. People started wow. reaching out to me. I loved you on, on TV. I miss you on TV, but I understand why you left. Would you consider running for governor? Would you consider running for senator for our state? I just started getting that like, several messages like that every day. And I'd never, ever thought of going into politics. It just isn't something I wanted to do. You know, I watched so many political ads while I was working over the years because we used to have to sit through all those commercials. And, you know, people are so nasty. They'll say the worst things about each other. And I just, it was very unsavory. But I had a couple people that I really respect. And I, I said, this is weird. I'm getting a lot of people asking me to run for office. What do you think? And a couple of them laid out the situation, which is basically, we don't have anybody. They said that on the Republican ticket who they felt could win the general, who was a good conservative, loved the state, had support. And we would be looking at somebody who was very, very liberal to the point of socialist, who would then win. And we, we would kind of be a lost state. We'd be like California 2.0. And being a conservative who loves Arizona, and I, I've, I know what's going on in California. People are leaving in droves. They're packing up their U-Haul, selling their home, and, and taking their kids out of school and, and practically running from that state. I started looking down the line in the future. I don't want to do that. I don't want to pack up my home, throw the kids in the U-Haul, and leave. I want to stay here and fight for Arizona. So I gave it some thought, and you know, I, I even thought maybe God has freed me up gave me the courage to leave my career, to open me up at this time to do this. And I prayed about it, talked to my hubby about it. And he's the best man in the world, I have to tell you, to A, you know, understand that I wanted to leave my job and be okay with that. And B, 
be willing to go through what you go through when you run for office. Um, he's just a saint. And so I decided to throw my hat in the ring and um, we are doing great, Ali. I have to tell you, the excitement over our campaign has been amazing. And it's a lot of work. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And we're only a few months in, but I feel that we are really doing God's work and doing the right thing. And I'm really excited about it. That's amazing. And, you know, congratulations again. I mean, when I, you know, when I saw you post that you were running, you had told me, you know, a couple, you know, weeks before it was something that was starting to be, you know, buzzed about and talked about and you were considering, but you weren't sure. And we were having conversations. And when I saw you officially make the announcement, I was so excited for you because I really do. I really do. I think you're going to be such an incredible governor for Arizona. I think everything that you spoke on, the fact that especially you come from the media space and you have seen what's going on, like you said, and you see the, you know, corruption and you see the half truths and, and, you know, you are such a honest and truthful person. I mean, honestly, I think regardless, even the liberals, even if they don't know it, I really believe everyone is coming to a place where they just want the truth. They just want to know what is the truth? Be honest with me. And, you know, and it, that may obviously scare some people because, you know, again, then it, you know, takes away so much of these comfort levels that these people have had. But at the same time, like I've had so many conversations with different types of people. And unless they're completely just, you know, sadly asleep and just married to mainstream media, you know, they're open and they'll say like, I just, I just want to know what's really happening. I just want to know the truth. I just want the mainstream to come out with it. And I keep trying to tell people, I don't believe that's going to happen. I don't think so either. I think what's going to happen is they'll probably collapse. Nobody's watching them anymore. The ratings are rock bottom. People are trying to find alternative sources for news. And there are some good people out there who are journalists who are still covering news. They're just not in the mainstream. And, and, and people are starting to go, wait a minute, weren't they saying last month that if we got two of the shots were fully vaccinated and now they're saying we need three and maybe then four and so people are starting to go wait a minute i believe them but now they're changing the story and they said if we were vaccinated we didn't need masks and now we do and our kids need masks again so as all of this happens it's so much less about whether you're democrat and republican and it's more about your common sense just starting to quake a little bit and go, this is not making sense. And, and people, I think when it comes to people being forced to take a shot, they don't want or lose their job or watching, having to put another years of a mask on their kindergartner. This is when people are finally going enough is enough. And they're standing up and they're really ready to fight back. We're at a, a moment where, as I said, um, a sleeping giant has been awoken and it's the pissed off moms <laughs> and the angry mama bears because you, you know how it is when mom's mad, but there's a new level when mom's pissed off. And that's like a whole new, you don't want to go near mom when she's pissed off. When she's mad, you can handle her, but when she's pissed off, it's a whole new level. Yeah. And I, I think we've I mean, gone into that. You're a mom, you know, you, you know, this and, and, you know, and I, you know, I'm a new mom of two and, you know, being a mama bear, I mean, that, that, you know, that term is protecting, you know, your cubs, you know, protecting, you know, your young, I mean, you know, they're your babies, regardless, whatever age they are. And I mean, even my own mom, you know, you know, I'm 36 years old and, you know, my mom's still protective to this day, you know, and I mean, that's, that's the mama bear, right? That's your instinct. And so, you know, I mean, for you, especially, I bet being now that you're running for governor and you are a mom, like that must be even more intense for you because you are hearing from so many moms and you're seeing it like across the board, how many moms are just like you said, like they're done. They're like, no more. I'm not doing it. Something's got to change. And I agree with you in the sense of there is this common sense thing. I, you know, I keep praying and I, I keep saying to my husband, like, I really do believe that there are what you were just saying about mainstream. Like there are so many collapses coming over the coming years, because I think that all that has really been in the dark will come to light. And I think that also there's going to be so much truth that's going to, you know, kind of surface as more and more collapses and more and more shatters. And I think that the more people are rocked and the more people are told this is one thing and then they're told something else, it's like, it's when you tell like, a, you know, a little lie, right? You tell a little fib as a kid and you tell them something and all of a sudden you change a little bit of that fib and then you change it again. It's like, how many times are we going to let the story be changed where we start to go, wait, something doesn't add up here. It's not about parties. It's not about 
I'm right, you're wrong. It's not about because you're MAGA and you're this and I'm this. It doesn't, it's not about that. It's about looking at things and saying, there's a divide that's been man-made here. There's a manufactured situation of division so that we stay focused on all this instead of focusing on what's really going on in front of us. And so for you being now running for governor for Arizona, like, you know, what what is that like for you being kind of now at the forefront and seeing all this, like, I mean, what's the experience been like? Because I could only imagine. I think what I have going for me, um, I have a lot of things going for me from coming from the media angle, because you're right. I, I know how the propaganda machine works. I've seen it. And I walked away from it, you know, especially once it became very clear and I can communicate. We're in an, a, an age right now where we have to be able to communicate this message of what's happening to us. And I'm a good communicator. I can boil things down and make them a little bit simple. And, and with these masks and things like this, whether you've got little ones like you, I look at the moms like you and I go, oh, I feel so bad for these mothers to have a mask of two-year-old. Yeah, I won't mask a child. That. I never did. I never did. I told good. my husband, I said, I, I can't do it. Honestly, I, I, I tried one time and I broke down into tears and I, that was enough for me. That was God and my spirit, everything inside yeah. telling me I can't do it. I just can't You're not do gonna it. commit child abuse over something that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And for me, I look at my kids who lost their prom. They lost those experiences to date somebody and meet somebody in school and look at them. And then, you know, watch whether they're interested in each other and but they can't see each other so they stop looking at each other we it's dehumanizing to wear masks they want to silence us with the masks and i'm just not willing to sit back and, and try to act like this makes sense it doesn't and more and more people are realizing it and awakening awakening to it but running for governor we have so many other issues in our state and we've got voter we're at the center of this voter integrity issue because we're doing an audit here in our state and, um, you know, a lot of the mainstream politicians and the corporate or not corporate, uh, the, you know, kind of recycled politicians, as I call them, they just keep running for office. <laughs> they don't want to speak out about the truth about this because they are they've got so many cronies who are in the political world who are speaking out against this audit. And all we want to know is the truth. What happened? problems and we want to know what they were and i am at this point because i am a clean fresh person running i'm a citizen politician who's never run before and i don't know political favors i can speak honestly and truthfully about this but the people i'm running against can't because they have too many uh, ties to the swampy political world too many tentacles in it and and many of them are owned by you know their their high dollar donors and i'm i'm being fueled by the people of arizona yeah, you're so I feel very lucky. grassroots campaign, like completely just by the people. Let me just tell you, we announced there was so much excitement. I, I was inundated everywhere I went. People stopped their car. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited you're running. Finally, somebody who's real and not just a, another politician who's been doing this over and over again. Within three weeks, we had enough signatures on our petition to be on the ballot. This usually takes people almost a year or six months to come to that. I, I've, I, I've learned from some of the people who've been in politics a long time, most people running for statewide office are still trying to collect signatures March and April of next year. We got them in three weeks. It was a record, never been done in Arizona, and we didn't pay for any signatures, whereas the typical politician will have to pay five to $10 for signatures. And we have 5,000 people who've signed up to volunteer. That's unheard of. And we also have 2,500 donors, 92% of them have never made a political contribution in their life. And wow. most of them are coming from Arizona. Some are coming from other states because people look to Arizona and realize that our issues here in Arizona, especially being the proximity we are on the border, um, they affect every other state. And so we have to care about what's happening on our border states right now. And people do care about what's happening in, in Arizona. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, that just speaks to so much of you and your character and, and the people around you. The fact that not only did you, you know, get that many signatures and you got right on. And I was actually wondering that. I'm glad you shared that because I, it's true. It's like, there's so many people who, when they go to run, it takes them quite a bit of time to even get on the ballot and like, look at you. And so there's your answer, right? You said like, you think God maybe opened you up and freed you up 
definitely did because here you are now running and you know everything has been a god thing i mean we have so many god moments that our, everyone is on my campaign. We now we call them the God moments. Oh my gosh, I had another God moment today. You won't believe what happened. That kind of stuff, you know. And um, even one, I went to one event and my, one of my uh, opponents put a heckler in the audience and I kind of went, oh, this is no fun. But I, and I thought it didn't go very well. I left the stage and everyone's like, that was great. That was actually great. You need more hecklers in the audience. You know exactly how to deal with them. So even moments like that, where someone's trying to throw a wrench into the machine, um, it works in my favor. And I, and I, I really attribute that to God. Every time I step out and go to an event, speak out, I say a prayer. I just say, God, I'm all yours. Take me in and do with me what you will. And he has not led me astray. So I'm, I'm so fortunate. But I'm also blessed, Allie, because I have 27 years of experience being in people's homes. It's not just name recognition. It's a level of trust when someone turns the TV on and invites you into their home for 27 years, into their living room, into their kitchen or their bedroom. And um, I've been there for a lot of moments for people. So when I walk into a room, unlike other politicians who might be newer or, or might not have the name recognition, I can just walk in and the people of Arizona know me. I'm so fortunate. Others would have to walk in and say, hey, I'm so-and-so and I'm running for governor and let me tell you a little bit about me. But I have this, um, I'm, I'm just so fortunate to have that relationship already. And it's it's been wonderful. That's amazing. And I love that you shared that about you know, the people trusting and turning on their TV and inviting you into their home and their living room and their bedroom. It's its so true. And this is where, you know, I think, and obviously for you, why you left, I mean, why it's so like heartbreaking and just so concerning of what mainstream's got going on, because it's true. They have been in people's homes for years and years and years and years, and people trust them or they used to. And it's very, very sad, but I think at the same time, um, very, um, well, I guess, you know, it's, it's very much of God to be like, I'm going to expose, you know, what's no well, longer working. And it's hard to turn that off. It's your friend, right? You know, when you're lonely at home, you have the TV on. It's like, it's like having to unfriend a close friend mm -hmm. when you find out they've been betraying you. You know, it'd be like having a best friend who you had in your life when you had those moments where you're kind of, you want some noise in the house, you put the TV on or you listen to, you know, this favorite show or that favorite show. And then you realize that a friend's been lying to you or not being fully truthful. And you just have to, you have to push them out of your life and it, it can get a little bit lonely. You're tempted to turn it back on, but when you realize, no, it's just kind of filling my, my mind with um, propaganda. I think I'll just put some music on instead. So yeah. it, it's hard to turn that off because it's a habit to have it on in your house, but more and more people are turning it off, which is, I think, a good thing. Oh, it's definitely a good thing. And, and uh, you know, I think, like you said, you know, the fact that like you are someone who is a citizen and a real person, you know, I do believe, I mean, even in California, you know, you're seeing certain people running that are, you know, real people who are not really in the political ring. And I think we're going to start to see this more and more all over, you know, the country of people standing up and saying, you know, this is about us, the people, because at the end of the day, we are one human race. This is what I keep reminding people, you know, when people get into it. I mean, I was on my social yesterday and someone was coming at me and I'm like, look, we can disagree all you want, but you need to be kind. At the end of the day, we are all one. I know it. nobody wants to actually really um, hear that because they're like, well, we're so different and I, this and that, but it's like, but really who gave us all those differences again, the media, you know? And so I think for you, why I really truly believe you're going to win and why people are so amazed by you right now is because you're just sharing truth. You're just being honest from your heart. You're sharing what needs to be done. You're not sugarcoating. You're saying what needs to happen, good and bad and you, how you want to bring that change. And I think that's where we're going, you know, truly as a country is like, I really believe that, you know, we are going to see such positive changes coming. We just have to get through the rest of this darkness. Yes. And I think there's some darkness to come. We've been destabilized. Our world has really been destabilized by what has happened in Afghanistan over the last, you know, several days and weeks, really. And I feel the whole world just took a, a shift and I, I, I do worry. I worry about the world that my kids are growing up in. And I hope that 
we get back on track soon. I, um, it is dark days ahead, but we need to have people who are still willing to stand up. It's always the people who stand up and do the right thing in, in the dark times and help lead people. And I'm real, I'm ready to do that. And I know that I have a lot of people behind me who are ready to stand up with me. So that gives me a lot of hope, but for so many years, um, you know, you talk about the, the ties that bind us and I think our patriotism and our, uh, our beautiful connection as Americans, no matter what religious background, what our cultural background has been, we've all come together as patriotic Americans. And unfortunately, a small group of people who had a, um, you know, who wanted to tear this country apart, tried to turn that into something negative when that was actually the thing that connected us all. And we are, we all have our individual differences. We are individuals, but what connected us as Americans was that we were all proud Americans. And over the past five, six years, um, I think some segments of our population have tried to turn that into a bad thing. And it's so unfortunate because that's kind of what connects us, no matter what color our skin is, no matter what our background. And I think we're going to return to that. I think we're going to return to that common spirit that we're all Americans and we are all um, one and we need to fight for one another and fight for our freedoms. And I think we're really on the, the precipice of that happening. And, and so I am, I do have a lot of hope for that. Oh, I feel the same way. And I do really believe that there is so much of that fight, like you said, starting and that bravery. And, you know, I mean, you, I think also to being a mom, you have two kids. I do. Uh, my son is a senior and my daughter just graduated high school last year. Oh, wow. So, you know, so you're a mom and you're seeing your kids, you know, go through this as well. I mean, are they so excited that you're now jumping in and you know, part <laughs> well, of the fight? <laughs> they're totally for it. They're totally for it because they're, they're conservative kids and they're work. you know, they had a lot of their life taken from them with all these mandates. Some of the best years, you think about how much fun high school was and to have it you know, your face is covered and you're, you're at home learning and you're missing those moments that you should be really enjoying life. I mean, I, I, we have a very happy home. I'm, I'm blessed that way. We have a, uh, you know, a lot of harmony in our home. And I, there were times during all of the lockdowns and shutdown, my daughter would just come to me in tears saying, I'm tired of this mom, make this end. And you feel so hopeless when you can't make that pain go away. And, and, and it's, you get depressed, you know, kids get depressed with all this. And I know we were able to kind of pull through that, those dark times. And some kids weren't, the suicide rates were high, um, addiction, all kinds of problems that um, I think were far more horrible than had we just left our economy and our life up and running and had the people who were high risk stay home and make sure they took precautions. So we, we did the opposite of what we should have done. We caused a lot more social and societal problems. We caused more death than we needed to because of that. But um, I kind of forgot where the question was going, but my kids are surviving it. They're happy about me running. And they really believe in what I believe in, which is we have to keep our economy open, keep our country open and keep our freedoms intact or we will not have a country. So they're really excited about it but they don't really necessarily want to be in front of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's understandable. I feel like not, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, you've been in front of the camera for over 27 years, but you know, that doesn't mean necessarily that your kids want to be too. <laughs> well, my daughter has been doing some volunteer work for the campaign. And so that's exciting. And she's kind of taking a gap year from college because things are so weird. And it's like, she's afraid she's going to move into a dorm. They're going to go back online. And she just is like, I'd rather sit out a year take some courses online and help with the campaign and work. And hopefully we can get off planet crazy and get back to planet earth in that time. <laughs> planet so um, yeah, she just doesn't want to go and, you know, two weeks in or three weeks in they're back to online learning and they're trapped in the dorm room. And, you know, she saw how it went last year. Yeah. I don't blame her. And I mean, that's awesome that she's getting involved with the campaign and, and supporting her mom and everything. You know, I think that's, you know, that's, you know, really, really cool. And, you know, I'm curious, you know, speaking of the motherhood, you know, it's because obviously I am a new mom and I have a lot of moms who listen, you know, 
you said to me before we got on uh, today to record, and I was like, you know, I'm getting my, you know, daughter, you know, to bed. And I was like, we're just going to, you know, keep it audio because I don't do much with camera because I'm usually a hot mess being I'm crazy <laughs> with my kids, you know, unless I have to be on camera. You know, I'm curious for you because you did build such an incredible career as an anchor and you were, you know, you are mom, you know, you were, a, you know, I'm guessing a newer mom at that time. And, you know, you um, had them close together. Like, what was that like for you? Because you talk about, you know, your passion and you talk about hard work and dedication. And, you know, I know so many moms who listen, who, you know, are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs or, you know, have all these incredible aspirations and dreams. Like, what would you share? Because I feel like you're so inspiring just as a woman and as a mother, not just as, you know, someone who has been in the spotlight. Oh my gosh. I have so many stories on that. I mean, I, I had my two kids when I was working at my last job. As a matter of fact, I was in labor on the set anchoring a newscast when I, uh, I went into labor with my son. And I was like writing down and counting and timing out the contractions because I'm like, can I get through this newscast or am I going to have to leave in the middle of the newscast? So I worked through it. I was reading stories and going, you know, having contractions and um, got through the show and, and got driven to the hospital by a friend uh, because I couldn't drive. I was in, in labor. So, I mean, I really, I, I tried to weave my career with my children and when I decided to leave and I, I really went through a lot of kind of processing all that had happened over the time, the term, the length of my career. And I had a lot of regret. I had a lot of regret that I missed so many moments, even though I tried my hardest to be present every moment I could and, and also be present and do the work I needed to do, because I did feel I was serving my community as a journalist, um, even though things really changed in the last several years. So, you know, anytime you're a working mom, anytime you're a stay-at-home mom, you, you're so hard on yourself. You've got regrets. Should I have worked? Should I have kept my career going? If you keep your career going, did I miss out on too much? I think my regret is I didn't have more kids. And I do have some regrets that um, I, I always felt like I did put my career first because I think it was, that was just the kind of work environment I was in. There wasn't a lot of, of uh I guess they, they didn't give you a lot of leeway when you had kids. It was kind of like you either do the job or you'd be a stay-at-home mom. And there's no kind mm -hmm. of doing it halfway. So you always have regrets, whatever you did. But I, um, I tried to be as present as possible. It was funny when we were, when the kids were little and I was working, a lot of my friends would do date nights with their husband. And we just never did that. We spent our weekends at home with the kids. We kept saying, we'll start doing date nights when the kids get sick of hanging out with us. And so we thought that would happen at seven or eight or nine and to 13 rolled around, 14 rolled around. We're like, okay, I guess we're not going to get date nights here for a while. <laughs> but um, I just, because I worked all week, I wanted to spend time with the family, you know, as a whole on the weekends. And so it, we just, we made it work, but you always are going to have regrets. And I wish I would have had more kids. Um, and I'm so glad I had two. I feel really bad for my friends who, in this career in television have put off finding a man and getting married and then find out when that kind of biological clock goes off where you go, I want kids. They can't find somebody or they miss out on the opportunity. That breaks my heart because I do believe motherhood is one of the most, if not the most important thing that a woman can do. And so if people miss out and have that kind of regret, I, I can't imagine how hard that is. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I love, I love being a mom as much as, especially right now, it's so intense having two little ones back to back and everything. It's, it really is so special and so beautiful at the same time. And, you know, it's funny when you were saying about that of like the, you know, the grace and being hard on yourself. I mean, it's true. I had that day today. It was just like, you know, potty training and teething and just so much going on. And I was just being so hard on myself because I wasn't getting anything done you know, work-wise, I like just like completely just started, you know, like crying and, and was just like losing it. And I had to remind myself, I'm like, you know what? It's just an intense day today. Like it's just an intense yeah. day. It's okay. Uh, like, you know, and, and the reason I asked that question is because, you know, I think the fact that you just said like you were in contractions and, you know, in labor, you know, at work, I mean, I think that's inspiring for women to hear. And, and especially nowadays, right. I think we're starting to finally see women get to do it all and they can 
can do it all and they're being empowered to do it all. And, you know, even you, you know, not necessarily being in that space back then, because it was still kind of like you said, either stay at home or work. The fact that you kind of wove both in, I think that's amazing. Cause I think so many moms need to even hear those stories now to be reminded like, yes, you can do it all. Yes, it may be intense. Yes, there may be still regrets, but you can still power through and figure it out as a mom and as an entrepreneur and someone who, you know, wants to be passionate in what they're doing and working. You know, I think it's so important. Yeah. And I think it's also trying to find the positives, whatever, whatever path you choose, whether it was stay at home. And then you, you have those moments where you see those, uh, those moments in your child's life where they have a big breakthrough and you go, oh my gosh, I got to witness that where maybe if you were working, you would have missed out. And so really seeing the positives, because you always are going to have those days where you feel like a wrung out dish rag. You're just like, and you you happen to walk by a mirror and you see yourself and you're like, oh my gosh, is this who I am? I look (laughs) terrible. I feel horrible, you know, but it's always trying to find the positives in it. And I, I, had to have people help me raise my kids. And that, that pained me sometimes, but then I thought, well, I'm also showing my kids what it means to have a, a a career and a work ethic and going to work. And, you know, it's like, sometimes you just have to do the hard thing. So I don't think there's a right and wrong. One of the things I, I, that I did like about working in television was it forced me Monday through Friday to take a shower and put makeup on every day. (laughs) There's no getting around that when you're in TV. So, you know, I'd always spend the morning in my kind of PJs or sweats and hang out and play with the kids because I worked in the afternoon and evening. And then at a certain time I had and my little alarm went off on my phone and it was like, okay, mom's going in and she's got a shower. She actually has to put some makeup on and get dressed for work. So there's that, that little bit of you when you go, okay, I made myself presentable today. I accomplished something (laughs) because we all as moms have those days where you go, what did I, I was busy all day, but I didn't accomplish anything, but you realize that later you did because you spent time with your kids. And so I think it's finding the little positives of each day and um, trying to minimize some of the negative of it because we're all just humans trying to get through, do the best we can. Yeah. Such sound advice. So, 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 so true. And, And even such a good reminder for me today, I mean, it's true. It's like motherhood can be just so intense at times. And, and I, when you said that about the dish rag, I'm like, oh my gosh, I definitely had that moment today. I'm like, oh my God, Allie, like what is going on? <laughs> you know what? I felt like a worn out dish rag earlier as well. I just had a long day. And even though I did shower today, I was like, oh, I'm wiped out. But I will tell you something because you have your kids close. Are they a year apart? They're 25 months. Okay. That's about, I think mine were like, 18, 20 months, something like that, but close. And the great news is um, at the first couple of years, it's really intense. Obviously you're in that, you're in the middle of it, (laughs) but there comes a day when all of a sudden you're used to kind of being tending to them all the time when you are in the kitchen doing something and you hear them giggling and playing together and you go out to kind of get involved and play or do something and you realize they don't even need you. They're just, they're little friends and they don't need mom over there to play with them. And, and you, you get such a, a you know, you see that you've created this bond between siblings and you also realize that you will have time, more time to yourself because you've, you've got two playmates in the house. They're like playing together and you don't need to be with them every second doing something. You can, you're freed up to do more of what you want to do. So it, it eventually it's going to get a lot easier than if somebody just had a single an only child where they always want mama's attention. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah. Carrie, when's that going to come? <laughs> it will, I promise. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. I've heard that quite a bit and it, and it's true. And I already see it like, you know, Amelia for being three is very advanced and, and loves to, you know, do a lot, you know, on her own and play. And she will, you know, play with Arlie and, you know, they, like today I went, went and play up in our playroom while I was finishing dishes and they were playing and for a few minutes before I had to go up and of course, you know, <laughs> separate them. And I was like, wow, okay. They're like playing for a few minutes, you know? So I could see how um, in the future, how they're definitely going to have that bond and have that time and like what you're speaking to. And I think that's another great reminder for any moms listening is it's like, it may feel intense right now, but like it does 
get easier and that like you are in the thick of it, especially obviously where we are right now in the world. Like I think all the moms, especially are feeling it kind of the hardest right now. Like it's such a heavy time for so many things for, for like what you said with like, you know, the mask and all that and school. And then also like being home and then like, you know, do you put your kids in school? And then for those that, you know, I mean, there's so many decisions for moms right now, I feel like, you know, when I talk to so many of her moms, like it's so heavy and they also are seeing everything going out in the world. And they, like you said, they worry about what's going on in the future. Like, and, and we're trying to be strong. We're trying to be so strong for, we need to be strong for our kids. But sometimes we have those moments where we're like, I don't know what's going to happen in the world either. Um, and, but we have to be strong and kind of try to talk them through what's going on. And even we don't know what's going to happen. It's it's a tough time. But as I was telling somebody, a mom was reaching out saying, what do I do? My kid's school is going to demand the masks. I don't want to do it. They cry when they have to go. They're not learning. And I said, you know, you know, I gave her what I, my advice. I said, here's what I would do. This is what I would do. First of all, I would tell the school they're breaking state law because we have a state law that says they can't mandate the masks. And then I would send my child to school without the mask. And if they call them in. I would have my child have a piece of paper that states what the law is. If they still continue to push it, I would, I personally would take my children out of the school. Now I'm not saying that's the best decision for everyone, but until we stand up and do some drastic things like that, they won't get the message. They will not get the message and they'll keep torturing our kids this way. So we're at a time when we just have, we all have to make tough decisions, whether it's the decision to stay for an employer who's going to make you do something against your medical wishes um, or with a school that your kids liked, but now they're doing crazy things and you don't want them to be part of it. We're just at a, a moment in history where we all are being forced to make tough choices. Uh, for me, a tough choice was walking away from my career. And I'm sure I'm going to have more tough choices along the way, but none of us are getting out of this unscathed. I don't believe that any of us be, taking the easy path has kind of gotten us as a country into the mess we're in. And now we all have to take and make some difficult decisions. Oh, so true. And I agree with you. And I think there is a lot more for all of us to go through, but I do believe I've said to several friends of mine that I do believe it's because we have to work through that trauma. We have to work through all the things that we have been. So just, okay, we'll just let it go to now saying, okay, we're going to heal. We're going to do whatever work needs to be done individually, collectively, and we're going to stand up and, and be brave. And we're going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and making these decisions of what you're saying and, and, and be strong and, you know, and stand in our own sovereignty and stand in our strength. Well, we started to um, take our freedoms for granted. I, we all were taking them for granted because they were uh, spelled out in the constitution and they were God-given freedom spelled out in our, our Bibles and our religious books. And we just took those for granted that they would always be there. And then all of a sudden, boom, the rug got pulled out from under us. And we realized that they were taking our freedoms away and we hadn't been doing enough to protect them. And now uh, it's like ripping the bandaid off. We're like, okay, <laughs> we have to be the patriots that our founding fathers were. And, and fight to make sure we preserve those important freedoms so that we have a country that our kids can wake up in one day and, and we can have our grandbabies one day and uh, living in and having the opportunities that we had. And I think we're, we're doing that. I'm, I'm seeing so many people stepping in saying, I got to get off the sidelines. This, this is too important this time that we're in. God did not put weak people here at this point in history, even though we have moments where we feel weak we're tired and we're worn down and we're trying to be strong for our families and our kids. God did not put weak people here at this moment in history, this critically important moment in history. We all have that strength and that courage inside and um, the the mama bears are coming out. So I I feel (laughs) confident once the mama bears get in the game, watch out. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I love that. I think that's such a great way to honestly end the show and such a Hi, no, and so much positivity. Carrie, this was such an incredible conversation and interview. I thank you so much, not only for, you know, just sharing so vulnerably and so authentically, but for how much you stood up with mainstream media for what you chose to do, what you're doing now in Arizona. I honestly am so inspired by you, you know, as a friend, as a woman, as a mother, you know, as a, you know, entrepreneur. I mean, I think just 
everything that you're doing is so incredible. What would you want to leave us with? Tell us where we can support you and the campaign, where we can find you and follow you. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I, I am, I, I'm honored to be here and I really, I, I, I value our friendship. I'm so glad that we're actually speaking now because it's all been through texting and messaging. Um, I have a website, carrylake.com, K-A-R-I-L-A-K-E.com. And if you're here in Arizona listening to this, I'd love to have you join our team because this is really our campaign. My special interest group is the people of Arizona. So join our team if you're here in Arizona, if you can uh, afford to contribute or donate because I am being funded by the people, not the swamp. So I, I take contributions from people who you know, have a little extra money and want to help save Arizona. Um, and you can find out where I stand on the issues as well. And I just wanna say, Thank you to all the moms out there who are keeping our, our families close and it's a tough time. I know you're, you know your little ones are too little to understand what's going on and that's actually, a, you probably are happy about that. It's almost harder to explain this to kids who are, are a little bit older. Um, but I know how hard it is to protect our, our babies and our children. And, and I just, I thank all the moms out there. Stay the course and stay strong. Our kids need us now. And um, it is the mothers who always step forward and, and save things. And that's what we're being called to do right now. So thanks for having me on, Allie. Oh, thank you so much, Carrie. Really, thank you for everything you're doing. And, you know, best of luck. I know you're going to just tear up Arizona and I know you're going to win. So I honestly don't even feel like you need luck. I really do believe God and the people are on your side and you're standing up for everyone. So thank you so much for, you know, your bravery and your strength and your true honesty. I just think guys, anyone who is listening, even people who are listening who are not on the, you know, quote unquote conservative side. And again, of what the divide of what Carrie and I spoke about so much on this show tonight, really listen with your heart and ask yourself what truly resonates and what is true to you. Because I really believe that is what we're being called to do. And we are to stop listening to the noise outside and start turning to each other, no matter what side we are on. So Carrie, thank you so much Amen. for being on. And guys, everything will be in the show notes. So you can support Carrie, especially if you're local to Arizona. And cheers till next time, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe. Tune in weekly for new episodes and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.